who are new today. I'm the pastor of New Movement Church, and uh, I'm excited because we have been talking about um, this little message, this little theme. If you're new to church, uh, sometimes we have series and themes of things we discuss for a couple weeks. And this week, we've been this month, we've been talking about we are that church. That's because beginning on the beginning of September, we kind of go into the season. If you're like a Seahawks fan like me, you know, the season starts in a couple weeks. And so it's kind of like the church season is starting and everybody comes back to church. Those who have been away and uh, we're looking forward to some things that we're doing. And uh, this coming Friday night, we have what's called an overflow worship. And basically, it's basically communion and singing. The Lord's Supper, if you've never had communion, some people had it for the first time. Last time we had it, it's going to be here Friday night at 7 o'clock right here in this in this building. And so that's coming up this Friday night. I'd love to invite you to that. You might see some things about that on Facebook or Instagram if you're following us. So let me just pray one more time and then I'd love to talk about uh, what the Lord has given me today. Lord, thank you so much for our time today, for everyone who came. And for those who are in our neighborhood and in our homes and those who we love so much. And Lord, we just want more than anything for all of us to know you. And I pray today as we speak uh, these words that we would hear something just for us, just personally for us, that we could leave here stronger and better. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So we've been on this theme called We Are That Church. And I don't know about you, um, I grew up watching a lot of TV. I'm not really ashamed to tell you that. It was just because I was a single, uh, my mom was a single mother, and uh, I was an only child for a long time. And so my only friend was the TV. Now, most of you are half my age, but I literally had to make it through with the TV. And so for me, when I didn't have anybody to talk to, I would kind of have to put myself in the story. And there were people that I identified with. There were people I wanted to be like. I don't know if you like sports or whatever your thing is. There's always somebody you're like, you know what? I identify with that person. I want to be that person. And so we've been taking this theme and looking at one of the, really the first church in the Bible. And we've been declaring, we've been saying, we are that church. We are that church. Now, just in case you may not feel like you are a part of the church, I want to tell you what church people really are. It's a very simple thing. It's really what the Bible says that church people are. They are the ones who have been called out. Now, when I grew up, someone saying they were going to call me out, that wasn't a good thing. That meant they were going to put me on blast. They were going to embarrass me or they were going to roast me in front of people. But that's not what I'm talking about called out ones, literally the ones who uh, were a part of this first church in the Bible were ones who had been called out. And so it just, it means that we're all people. It means that we all have issues, means we all have problems. Nobody's perfect and nobody is expecting you to be perfect, but we are ones who have been called out of where we are into where God wants us to be. You can say it a couple different ways. We are called out of the darkness into the light. We are called out of poverty into inheritance. We are called out of unrighteousness. That's just a good biblical theological word for just messed up and called into 
righteousness. We're called out from here and called into something else. So everybody has their own journey. Everybody's in a different place with God, but we all are ones who have been called out. And so we've been looking at this theme and really been amazed by this church here in scripture and what we want to be as a church here on the east side new movement we want to bring hope to the city we really believe that the city needs hope how many of you believe that your city needs hope we got a lot going on in this community and we don't want to just preach about it we want to do practical things we want to do what we can to help with those who are dealing with immigration issues, who are dealing with legal issues, who are dealing with substance abuse and dealing with poverty. It's just not about preaching. It's about being a presence in a community that really communicates to elected leaders and officials that things need to change. And we love the east side. I don't care what anybody says about the east side. I love the east side of Pasco. And we're a church that loves the people in our community. And so we're here. We're here to bring hope. And the thing that I love about scripture is that God's message is good news. That's another word for the gospel. It's good news. And so this church, I want to read to you some things that were happening in this church that are really, really interesting. And it kind of describes this. This is kind of six verses that really kind of describe what this church was like. And it starts in verse 47 of Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts is where you hear about this church. And this is what it says. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. Fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and the prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them. A deep sense of wonder, amazement began to fall over them. And the apostles, those were the church leaders, church planners, performed many miraculous signs and wonders. They were doing things that people were like, wow, that is a miracle. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the Lord's, um, at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship, where's that word again? Fellowship, those who were being saved. Each day, the Lord was adding to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, that's where I want to park, right there. That each day, God was deciding to send more people to this church. Each day, God was doing something special, and he was saying, I got to send more people there. And when they showed up, the Bible says very specifically that they were added to their fellowship. Fellowship is a thing. It's not really a word we use a lot today, right? Can you come over to my house and fellowship with me? It's not trending right now. 
But this is a good biblical word, and it means something. Each day, that means the church was growing every single day to their fellowship, those who were being saved. Can I explain that a little bit? These are people that were in a process. These were people that just simply got started with God. It wasn't that everything was perfect. They still had a few cuss words every now and then. Come on, say amen, somebody. They still had some things that weren't right. They still took a couple drinks every once in a while. They were getting there, but they were being saved. They were on a journey. They were on a process. I don't know if anybody told you that you had to be perfect before you came to church. Can I just tell you, we're not that church. You don't. There is nobody perfect in here. There is nothing perfect in here but God. God is the only one that is perfect. And for some reason, God is attracted to imperfect people. And so they were being saved. They were on a journey. And God was adding to them to their fellowship each day. Now, can I break down what this was? As we kind of read before, right, you can kind of see what's happening. They're meeting every day. They're eating tamales. They're eating Spanish rice, right? They're having horchata. They're, they're, do, they're selling their things. They're having a big yard sale out front, right? They're, they're making sure everybody's taken care of. They're paying each other's bills. And it sounds like they're getting together every single day. And they're not just getting together. They're learning about God. They're praying. They're praising God. It was a whole community. It was something attractive about this. And they had a rhythm. They had a cycle of what was happening every single day. And think about it this way. This wasn't just a small group of people. Peter, one of the first pastors of this church, he preached a message. And 3,000 people came to the church that day. That's a lot of people. And so they, were, they weren't all together all the time, but they were in these little homes and little groups and little small groups and little pockets here and pockets there. And they were talking and they were fellowshipping. But fellowshipping wasn't what they did, it's what they were. So let me break down what fellowshipping really means. They were participating by sharing their common life. In other words, fellowship was actually everyone participating together. They were all participating, and what they were participating with was sharing their life with each other. It wasn't superficial. It wasn't just like, you know, hi, everybody's got a filter. I'm here, I'm gone. No, it was literally, I'm sharing my life. I know your kids' names. I know your favorite food. I know what happened to you in the fourth grade. We, we were sharing, they were sharing lives together. But the condition was that they had to participate. It wasn't optional. It wasn't, I just get to chill, show up, and leave. Because we're not that church. We are the church where everybody adds to the table. Everybody's important. Everybody has something that we need. Everybody gives. It may not be money, but you got some swag. You can say, Pastor, you know what? I got an outfit picked for you, and it's going to be on point. You need to wear this next week. They were all participating. We're not trying to be a church that just 
comes, sits down, and leaves. That's not what we're doing. In fact, we say it all the time. Church does not start when you get here. It starts with when you leave. And what we want to be as a church, trust me, we are not trying to get people to walk, knock on doors, and hand out stuff. If you do like to do that, there's things you can do with that. But what we want is, how you doing? What we want is a text message. What we want is, let's go get coffee. Let me give you a ride to work. What's going on in your life? Sharing life and participating together. And as I was really thinking about this, I was seeing something really interesting. Because what they had to be was inclusive. They had to be inclusive and they had to have their eyes out. In other words, when someone came into the fellowship, right? God was the one who was responsible for the church growth. I still believe that's today. I still literally believe that a church will only grow to the point of what God can trust people with. Because when God is sending someone in your life, he's sending them because he trusts you with them. He trusts you. He trusts that you're not going to hurt them. He trusts that you're not going to talk about them. He trusts that you're not going to tear them down. And we are building a church that I hope you feel that when you come, that you don't feel torn down. You don't feel like someone's looking at you sideways. That you feel and see the value in you that God put inside of you. And they had to see each other differently. I just imagine that they have to see themselves. When someone new came, they had to look at them from a different perspective. There's no way they can look at them like this. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I know where you were last night. I don't think that happened. I don't think they were looking at people and looking on the surface. I think they were really looking at people. You know what it feels like for someone to look at you? I'm not talking about from the outside. I'm like, really look and see who you are. Doesn't that feel good when somebody loves you for who you really are? And I believe there's something about that church that they saw people the way Jesus saw people. They literally looked at people the way Jesus looked at people. And that's really what I want to talk to you about. That verse that we put up, that God was adding to them every day. I really want us to go home today looking at people the way God looks at people. Looking at them the way Jesus looks at people. And really starting to run a process in your brain. Because you will only go as far as the people you are sharing life with. Okay, let me come on this side. You will only go as far as the people you're sharing life with. Here's a news flash. Here's what you probably didn't want to hear today. There might be some people that you're sharing your life with that God does not want you to share your life with. I'm talking about sharing your life. I'm talking about giving a piece of you. I'm talking about giving them your energy. I'm talking about giving them your brain and your mind and them shifting and moving you. You've got to be careful if you're not in the place where God has sent you to be. Because so many people are stuck because they're sharing life and they're in a fellowship 
with the wrong group of people. Because in a fellowship, guess what? You got to participate. And when you get with the wrong people that are doing the wrong things, guess what? You're going to participate. As hard as you think, I'm going to be strong. I ain't going to do this. Nobody's going to make me do anything. Yes, you are. If you are sharing life and you have decided to participate with them, you are nine times, ten times out of ten going to participate with what that community is doing. That's why I had to make a conscious decision. A couple years ago, I had to cut some people out. And it's hard at first, but it feels good later. You ever see somebody like 15 years ago? Wait, I'm sorry. You guys are young. Oh, young people. Okay, let me back up. You ever see somebody like three months ago? (laughs) That you like just cut off and broke up with or unfriended them or whatever. And they just look like bad. Come on, just be honest. You're not judging. You're just saying, hmm, man, I dodged a bullet right there. That was a bad... I, that was a bad five years right there. I really dodged a bullet. Because when you see people the way God sees them, we're not talking about tearing them down. We're just talking about the way you see them. And what I think this church did was looked at people the way Jesus looked at him them. And I wonder what would happen if you went home. For those who have people living in your home, whether they're younger than you or older than you, those people that get on your nerves, right? Those people that ain't doing what they're supposed to do. I wonder if you looked at them the way Jesus looked at them, what would happen? There is a story I want to share, show you in the book of John. The book of John. And it's a story about Jesus meeting up with someone and looking at them in a total different way. Ways that people would normally look at this individual. And this is found in Mark chapter four. And what I got to do for the sake of time is, is kind of break it down and kind of paraphrase. And then what that pretty much means is just kind of tell you what happened and then pick up in the scripture because I want to show you exactly what happened. Basically there was this town called, or it's actually this nation called Samaria. There were types of people and Jesus was coming from a Jewish neighborhood, a Jewish background. And his people never really fellowshiped with Samaritans. It was straight up racism is what it was. It was national uh, nationalism. It was being, we're this, they're that. That's exactly what it was. And so there, this town was literally right in the middle of a famous pathway where people would travel. And some of these people had been raised to be so racist against the Samaritans that they were literally go all the way around the town and wouldn't set foot in it. Do you know that some people that profess to be Christians are racist? You know, some people that profess to be nationalist are racist. I ain't going to go there right now. I'm going to keep going. Stay to my text. And so people would go around, but Jesus was going through. And he says, I'm going to stop in the town. You know why? Because I'm Jesus and I don't care and I do whatever I want. So Jesus goes into this town and he's tired, he's thirsty, and he goes to Jacob's well. And there at the well is this woman. She's coming to draw water. This is back in the day when you had to like go into a well and pull water out to get water. It was no faucet. Wasn't like that. No running water. So she is going to get her daily water 
for the day. And sometimes in those days, the women would get the water and they would have to go two or three times a day because they just, you know, wash dishes, whatever they had to do. Now, most people would go to the well in the morning, right? Because it's cool outside. It's not hot. Nobody goes at noon. If the weather's just like it is here, it's hot. It's August hot. And she goes to the well, not because she's trying to beat the traffic, but because later we discover she's got some issues. So Jesus meets this woman. He sees her coming. And he says, hey, would you mind giving me a drink of water? And she's like, how are you going? So and let me just show you what she says. Let me just break it down. Because I'm kind of I'm putting my spin on it. And it's kind of funny the way I was reading it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down what she says. So the guy has this conversation. This is in John chapter 4. She says, Woman, um, could you give me a drink? Would you mind giving me a drink? And she's like, um, first of all, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Why would you ask me for a drink? He's like, look, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So, okay, Jesus running a little game on her. All right, let's keep going. She says, well, you know what? You don't have a rope or a bucket to get me. No, I think she was a sister. That's what I think. You don't have a rope or a bucket, right? This well is deep. Where we, besides, where would you get this living water, right? She, she's asking him all that. Jesus says, look, anyone who drinks this water that we're looking at is going to be thirsty. But the water I give you, you will never thirst again. She was a thirsty chick. But he's trying to break it down. I know y'all paid attention. Okay, so <laughs> he's breaking the things. Look, I'm trying to give you everlasting water and you're thirsty. And I'm trying to give you something else. And she's like, okay, cool. Give me that water, right? Because I'll never be thirsty again. Then Jesus calls her out. Jesus hits her with a left hook. He's like, go get your husband. Now, I love what she did because she, she, didn't, she didn't bat an eye. She didn't get an attitude. She wasn't like, I know you ain't talking to me, Jesus. Okay, first of all, you asked me for some water. Don't be getting all in my business, all that. She didn't do all that, right? She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus is like, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. That's what Jesus said. And the one you're, and you're not even married to the man you're living with now. Jesus throwing shade? What is he doing? Jesus, why are you roasting her like this? And Jesus says, you certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. And so she goes into this long, you know, you know how she get. We, we like to, we like to, some people who've been in church a long time, when you get a little close like that, they like to get real spiritual. Start talking about Bible stuff. Start talking about theology. So she's, she's deflecting, right? She's like, ooh, let me talk about this. So she starts talking about a whole bunch of stuff that she knows, which is pretty deep. And Jesus is like, look, God is looking for worshipers. He's looking for real people, right, who want to worship him in spirit and truth. And then verse 25 says, I know the Messiah is coming. She's like, I know what you're talking about. And we're expecting him to come. I know it. He's going to be called Christ. And when he comes, he's going to explain everything. Jesus breaks it down right to her, cut straight to the chase. 
He says it just as clear. And he doesn't really do this in scripture, but he says it to her. He says, I am the Messiah. That's me. Just then, Bible says the disciples come back and they're like, who is this woman? Who is Jesus talking to? Why is he talking to this woman? But they were too scared to ask him why. She drops the water pot that she brought and she goes running into the village. This is verse 27 and verse 28. They were like, why are you talking to her? She left her water jar at the well. She ran back to the village telling everyone, look what she says. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, does that sound interesting to you? If somebody ran to you and was like, hey, I want you to come see somebody. He knows all my business. He told me everything I did last night. He'd be like, um, can you invite me next time? I'm not really sure I want to see him. But she told him, no, 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 no. Come on. You got to see this guy. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Look at this. So the people came streaming from the village to see. It's the first stream, live stream in the Bible. They came streaming to see him. Now look, this is a woman who a lot of people know her story. She had five husbands, and she ain't living with somebody that's not her husband, right? She's, at, she's there at 12 because she don't want to see the other ladies. She's got some issues. She's got a past, right? She's a thirsty chick. Everybody knows who she is. And now all of a sudden, her Instagram is blowing up because she's saying, come check this guy out. You've got to come see it. And the people respond. Here's, here's what I wanted to break down with this because I told you what I want us to leave today is, is with seeing people the way Jesus sees them. And if we're going to be a church that is growing and a church that is loving people, we got to see people differently. When we're in the store, we got to see them different. When we're at home, we got to see in traffic, we got to see people differently. We got to see people with value. Here's what I loved about this, this little conversation. I pulled out four things. When Jesus starts this conversation and he says to her, can you draw water for me? Jesus sees ability. He sees this woman has the ability to get some resources. The reality was Jesus was tired and he was thirsty and he needed some help. And what he saw with her was someone who had ability and resources. What if the person that you are sitting across from that you haven't talked to yet has exactly what you need? What if there is a person in your life that you have exactly what they need? You have a story. You've been through a You've been through cancer. You've been through a loss of a child. You've been through a divorce. You've been through a breakup. You've been through financial trouble. You know what it feels like, and you can help them. What if you start seeing other people as people with resources and people with ability? Sometimes people who have attitudes and bad mouths and talk crazy, they might actually be a pretty good public speaker. Like you just have no, you just can say whatever you want it to anybody. There's a gift in there. Might even be able to run for office. Okay, anyway, um, she had ability. Now, verse 9, she, she's talking to him and she's like, how could you give me water and you don't have a bucket? 
I, this is what I wrote down about that. She's interested. She has interest. Jesus sees not only ability in her, but he sees someone who has interest. Someone who's asking questions. There might be somebody around you, and maybe they don't have the courage yet, but they're trying to figure out, why do you keep going there on Saturdays? How come you're not mad like you used to be? How, how come you still have money at the end of the month? Like, how, is, how are you losing weight and eating more food at the same time? Like, what? Why do you have so much joy and peace? Like, why do y'all, have you been married that long? Like, how are, how are things working for you? There are people around you that are interested in your life. And you might be the best person to gift them by inviting them, as God would, add them to the fellowship to share life with you. They had, she had some interest. And then I love when Jesus just checks her, when Jesus is like, where's your husband? She could have got real raw with Jesus, right? She could have made up a lie. She could have told some stuff, right? She could have ran. She could have, she could have done a bunch of things, but she just owns up to it. She says, yep, I ain't got a husband. I think he sees some integrity in her. Can't you, isn't it annoying with people like who just don't want to be real and don't want to be honest? Isn't, isn't that just, isn't there something about that? Isn't it something you like about someone who can just be honest? Who can just be real? I love people like that. I love people who are just honest. They're just real. They're like, you know what? My life's messed up. Like, I really wish. And, and what I know is that you will never get free from certain things, certain things until you're honest about it. You're never going to be able to forgive someone unless you really know what you're forgiving them for. What you really know is happening in your life. And and Jesus loves that. He loves the honesty and the integrity to just be real about the situation. How many of you know you ain't got to lie to Jesus? There's no point to lie to him. He already knows. Jesus like, you ain't got to lie to me. Just keep it real. And he saw that in her. There might be some people in your life that you're so frustrated with. And you know what? They're like, I'm in trouble and I'm trying my best And if you just saw them in Jesus' eyes, you might be like, you know what? There's some honesty and some integrity in them. And it may just take you saying to them, you know what? I can see you're trying really hard. And you know what? I believe in you. I think you're going to make it out. Matter of fact, I'm supporting you. I'm with you. I'm going to stand with you. You're going to make it through. And then I love at the end, when in verse 25, he's like, you know, she's like saying, I've heard about this Messiah. We all know he's coming. We all know he's coming. I know he's going to come. And he's going to explain everything to us. I think Jesus really saw some expectancy and some hope in her. She's kind of like, something is going to happen one of these days. I wonder what would happen if you start looking around in people. Looking around you. And just looking for people who are looking for hope. Who believe something's going to get better. But they just don't know how it's going to get better. They're looking for an explanation. They're looking for something. And you can just look at them and say, you know what? You got hope in you. You got something in you that I resonate with. And so she goes and she runs to the town. and Everybody starts running back and then I love at the end of this Jesus basically says it like this they're like Jesus do you need something to eat are you hungry 
Jesus is like here in verse uh, 32. He's like, man, I got food you don't know anything about. And they're like, verse 33, you put that up. They're like, did he get an Uber Eats or something? Did you, did you get some food that while we were gone? Did somebody bring you something? Um, and he said, no. Verse 34 says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me to finish his work. He says, don't, um, you know the saying, four months between the planting and the harvest. But I say to you, wake up. And look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Let me read that again. Jesus tells him, look, you know this saying, four months and the harvest is coming? He says, look, it's, all, it's already March and the harvest is already here. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? We know this agriculture thing. Harvest don't come till September, October, no harvest. He's like, no. Look up and look around. Wake up, sorry, and look around. The fields are already ripe with harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit to harvest the people brought to eternal life. What joy waits both the planter and the harvest alike. You know the saying, one plants, another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you did not plant. Others have already begun the work. And now you get to gather the harvest. That's a promise for our church. God is saying, I'm sending you out to a harvest. All you've got to do is just wake up and look around. Look at people the way I look at them. There's already a harvest. There's already hundreds and thousands of people who are waiting to be added to your fellowship. You just got to look up and wake up and look around you. And the Bible says in verse 38 that the Samaritans right at that moment from that village, they believed in Jesus because of the woman. He said, he told me everything I ever did. And they came out to see him and they begged him to stay in their village. And he stayed for two days long enough that many more people could hear his message. And they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you told us, because of what we have heard ourselves. And we know that he is indeed the Messiah of the world. Can you picture that moment? Jesus is talking about harvest. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. And then he, they hear this rumble. They hear this crowd of people rushing to Jesus. And Jesus is like, that's the harvest I'm talking about right there. This woman that most of you would have not talked to, this woman that most of you would have walked around, she's already planted a seed. And there's already a harvest that's going to be reaped. This woman ran, told her story, and they all came rushing back, and a harvest was right there. The disciples didn't have to do anything. And Jesus says, let me hang with y'all for two days. And when they stayed, Jesus spoke to them, and the Lord added to their fellowship. These were people that they would have never kicked it with. These were people that they'd have never talked to. These are people that had issues and maybe stories about the woman that told them the story but there's something about God when he's moving there's something about God when he's released there's something about joy when it's multiplied that God can do something that we can't do and what I wanted to tell you today was just wake up and look around might be some people around you that you don't need to be around 
might be some people around you that you're in a fellowship that you don't need to be in. But God is calling you to a different fellowship. And there's some people that need help. And guess what? They're not going to get help from me. They're going to get help from you. You don't believe me, do you? Peter wasn't there every day. Peter was one of those pastors. Paul wasn't there every day. In fact, even in these villages, Jesus wasn't there every day. But there were people who were awake and were looking. And you'd be surprised how much help you have inside of you. There's some things you've gone through. I haven't gone through. I can tell them a bunch of stuff and it might be good, but they want to hear it from somebody that's been through it. And so I want to challenge us today. First of all, for you to know that God is calling you out. He's calling you out. You're not here just because for whatever reason. You're not here because somebody drugged you here. You're here because God is calling you out and there's something special inside of you. And you may not even know what it is. It may be small. You may think it's insignificant, but I see it in you. God sees it in you. And if you would see yourself the way he sees you, you'd be surprised at what's in there. Nobody was made on accident. Everybody was born with purpose. Everybody was born with a gift. Everybody was born with provision. And there's something that you have that this world needs. And there's something that you have that we need too. And so God is calling you out. He's saying, I just want you to join me in the movement. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing some things in our community. And look, you've got you to gotta know that this is a safe place. But this place will be so much better. And it is so much better because of you. And there are people that God is going to add to our fellowship to our participation that are going to come because God says, I've got some people here that are going to help them with share their life and grow in God. I want to pray for us today. Um, we're going to be switching gears in a couple weeks. I'm glad for those who are here, uh, maybe for the first time today. In just two more weeks, we are having our movie night out here and it's going to be incredible. You need to bring some people. You need to invite some people. And then on the second week of September is our fall launch. And this is what I've been telling people, that we are going to keep it 100. You know what that means? There are one, we have 100 seats that look like this. And we're going to put them all out next week. They're going to be out until December. And I want to see every single seat filled. Now, here's what, let's go ahead. Let's celebrate that. Here's how you can help me. You can bring the seat that's attached to you. That's the Just bring that one. You're good. Bring those two cheeks and you're good. Put them right in the seat. Pastor, I brought one person. That's it. I brought myself. And I'll be excited about that. And if you bring one more person, we won't have room. We really literally won't have any room in here. And so I'm really excited about our movie night. I'm really excited about overflow this weekend i'm really excited about launch our fall launch in september and what we are doing is saying there is a fellowship there is a banquet there is a table prepared for you and god has called you to our fellowship let me pray for us this morning father thank you so much for calling us out today not in a bad way but just showing us that you want better for us And I'm grateful that you see us in 
a completely different way. That from your perspective, you see promise, you see purpose, you see the things that you've created in us. And Lord, I pray that you would give us all a vision for ourselves today of the way you see us. And I also pray that you would open our eyes with those around us, that we would see them in a different way. I pray that we will learn to forgive. I pray that we will learn how to encourage. I pray that we would not let another week pass without reaching out to at least five or ten people that we know and just letting them know how much we care about them. May it be practical. May we just see your love running over in our hearts for people. And I pray today that as we come this coming Friday night to to have something special, to participate in the same supper that this early church did, that we would enjoy that together and that our fellowship would be rich and sweet. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the message that we have heard today that we are trying to